0: I think your uh, priorities are always shifting and you just try and balance what's most important at any Mm -hmm. given time so Mm -hmm. today it might be something different than tomorrow um and then like that's kind of just like the micro like things that you're doing then you just gotta look at the macro like what's your actual goal and is what you're doing actually driving towards that
1: this is golden hour where filmmakers and photographers come together to inspire educate and challenge each other to capture perfection in each episode, we dive into the mind of a creator to better understand their creative process and the steps they take to achieve it. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we're here in the Polar Pro studio. And today's guest is Matt Como. Matt is the former head of social content at GoPro and currently works as a film director. Matt has paved his way in the music industry as well, where he has directed and contributed to music video productions by some of the biggest names in the industry right now, including the Chainsmokers, Tiesto, Post Malone, and Gray. We sat down and talked about the transition from working for a big brand to then taking from that experience to create a brand for himself. I really enjoyed my interview with Matt and was really inspired to hear his creative process. He just has his hands in everything. He's a musician, he's a filmmaker, a photographer and he's traveled the world doing all of these things. I think anyone who's interested in the creative process of filmmaking but also somebody who's just an all-around artist will really be inspired to hear this interview with Matt. If you're a fan of the show, please consider subscribing if you haven't already in your podcast platform and if you could go in iTunes and rate this podcast, give it five stars, give us a little review in the Apple Podcast app if you use it on an iPhone. Without any further ado, let's listen in on my interview with Matt Alright we're here with Matt Como Did I say it right? Yep. Como Yeah. Do people pretty. say it any other way than that? Not really No. You know, <laughs> come on come on. We're going to start off with a little game we play called One Word Rapid Fire Sweet. And we'll just try to keep it like you know 30 seconds or so cool. I'm just going to ask you some quick questions and just be as fast as you possibly can with your answers. Okay. That's kind of the most authentic way to answer these. Okay. Rather than thinking about it. Um so I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Give me that answer as fast as possible. Sweet. YouTube or Instagram? Instagram. Hometown? Your Belinda. SoCal or Bay Area? SoCal. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Commercial content or personal curation?
0: Uh uh Personal curation. Favorite place you have ever traveled to? Tokyo.
1: Nice. Go to favorite camera.
0: Right now, Aria Alexa.
1: Ooh, okay, playing big. <laughs> like that. How would you describe? You <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe your editing style? This has to be in one word. Clean. Clean. Love it. We nailed it. That was probably under. 45 oh that's quick that's easy (laughs) alexa dude yeah of course right yeah yeah it's incredible if you have like the ability to choose anything in the whole wide world Mm. that's the one to shoot on
0: definitely do you own one i don't um but a lot of the projects that i've been doing and i have coming up they're like skewing a lot more towards like higher commercial end work totally um you shoot on the mini a lot yeah mostly mini. um and then been doing a lot of like anamorphic have you nonsense. played with
1: the new uh, LF, the large format? I haven't. No, not yet. Yeah. I'm it's sure like it's a incredible. Full frame Alexa. I haven't either. But uh, when I was directing, I used the Mini a lot and really love it. It's and incredible. You don't. It's really hard to like ruin a color grade on it. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> just everything looks so good. It's on so it. nice. Um. So let's start out kind of from the beginning. Uh, you mentioned you're from uh, your Belinda, which yeah. I'm kind of a new Californian. I've only been here for uh, like nine, ten months. Uh, and when I heard about that city, I was like, you're Belinda. Like, it's such a yeah, funny... It's, it's a f- weird word. F- f- <laughs> it sounds like Y-O-U-R, you know, Belinda, but it's not. It's
0: Y-O-R-B-A. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But
1: yeah, so you grew up in o-
0: the, o- the O.C. The O.C., yeah. <laughs> not too far from here. So we're in, people that know where this is, we're in Costa Mesa. It's like yeah. probably 25 minutes from yeah. here. 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Super and, close. And a lot of people don't realize this, but
1: Orange County and L.A., they're very close to each other, but they're very different like it's almost
0: like two different cultures oh my god it's like yeah completely polar opposite it's, it's crazy
1: <laughs> yeah and so a lot of people who have families tend to live in oc and mm-hmm. then they commute to la or whatever uh you can definitely have a family and live in la but it's more expensive a little bit more crowded exactly it's yeah. a little different so yeah. uh what was it like growing up in Orange County?
0: i loved it i yeah. mean it's all i know so it's like my hometown and yeah, uh of course. i just love like the beach like surfing like culture yeah. um yeah, I nice. can't imagine growing up anywhere else. Where'd you go to college? Chapman University. Yeah,
1: we had a friend uh, of the podcast that went there. Really? Sidney Deongsen is his name.
0: Huh, what yeah. year did he graduate?
1: Um, I think he's like did my he age. So yeah, he graduated. Okay. He's like
0: 28. So okay. I, I don't know. He's probably the, just past yeah. my uh, my time there. So. Yeah. Are you younger?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start getting interested in like filmmaking and stuff like that?
0: Definitely pretty early. Um, probably when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. Um, first picked up a camera, shot like skateboarding with the friends. like nice. Kind of like, you know, the usual like. Was tele- it like a
1: family camera that you had laying around? Or?
0: Yeah, I think the first one, um, it was like uh, one of those like Canon point and shoots, like a yeah. really small one. Like I think they were called like the Digital Elf.
1: Oh, yes. Um, I know that had those. like a
0: little video mode on it. Mm-hmm. And it was my mom's. So it was that- a
1: point and shoot camera for still photography that had a video function? Yeah. That was my pro- camcorder.
0: No, that was probably like the first one that I kind of picked up and started yeah. playing with. And then I bought like a little Sony like Handy Cam yeah. and then just. You know, what's funny is uh,
1: if you are a fan of Casey Neistat, like mm-hmm. some of his older videos before he was using like a DSLR for video, he was actually shooting on those cameras. Those little point They're pretty shoots. good for the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, and they're not bad. And they're tiny. You can put them in your pockets. Exactly. So. so yeah, I started out doing like skateboard stuff, just stuff with your
0: friends. Yeah. And then uh, started doing some stuff in high school, filming like the track and field team nice. a little bit. And then I just like... I I feel like sometimes like the career picks the man and the man picks the career and Uh like this is definitely a case where it's just like I knew this was it. So,
1: yeah. Did you end up pursuing that in college as well? Was that like your, yeah. Did you get a degree in like video? Yeah.
0: Um, so my major is film production and then within film production, you can emphasize in different things. So there's like directing, editing, cinematography, um, screenwriting. I did cinematography.
1: Nice. Did yeah. you enjoy that process?
0: I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Chapman's like, they're coming up to, uh, I think they're like number like six or seven now in the country for film. Wow. And then my class specifically, there was only, I think like eight kids in it or nine kids for wow. cinematography. So it's like very... uh exclusive is not the right word because it has a kind no, of I mean, like a it's snooty like, connotation to it you have
1: a little bit more one-on-one with your professor yeah.
0: you get probably more hands-on with
1: the equipment because there's just less of you so mm-hmm. i mean it's it's not like going to usc where like you're competing with all your your classmates and yeah you know.
0: um it's definitely was like very selective and i uh i mean like the two guys you started stranger things with the chapman um, oh cool a lot of my peers, the brothers yeah yeah exactly a lot of my peers are doing like a lot of amazing things in like the music video That's space. Cool. And so it's like, it's definitely on the come up. And I think within the next, uh, decade to two decades, yeah. you'll see a lot of like newer age Hollywood ushering in. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the front runners of that movement will be a lot of kids from Chapman. Why
1: is that? Do you think there's just like, because it's not USC, there's a little bit of uh people have maybe a little better work ethics or there's uh, probably, yeah, there's probably <laughs> an
0: element of that. But then I always think there's like this intangible where it always seems like, and it's not just with film, but like with a lot of things where like groups of people kind of congregate and like push themselves yeah. and like break in through things like together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've read like Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell heard or, of it. or Outsiders, but he talks about that. There's like a weird phenomenon where like ultra successful people in different disciplines, it could be sport, music, yeah. film, whatever, they kind of like all come from the same place at the same time. Yeah. And I like kind of already That's see cool. that happening.
1: You can see that in, um, they call it uh, like the, when Spielberg, Scorsese, right. they were yeah, all yeah. part of that wave of new Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, just changing film and
0: it, like, they're all friends. Like it's, it's like yeah. a little rat pack together, and I already see that happening Yeah, right now, and you got so. Team
1: 10 and the Mavericks and all mm-hmm. that on YouTube.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little different, but... Exactly. Uh, it's happening
1: yeah. on Vine and YouTube. Uh, you know, the Viners all transition to YouTube mm-hmm. as a pack, right? Exactly. Um, so how did you... So let's talk about GoPro, because uh, if people follow you, they might know about your affiliation with them. Mm-hmm. When did that what wor- happened what's the story there with
0: gopro um so i started working for them i think within like it was like a week or week and a half after graduating amazing um, yeah very <laughs> But fast. your parents were very happy uh yeah i don't think they understood what was actually <laughs> happening to be completely honest like they okay. knew what gopro was obviously but i don't think they really understood like, uh-huh. the impact of it uh-huh um but yeah i moved from orange county to the bay right away wow. and then uh just put my head down and worked what was that like going up there um, I guess it was like a little scary. I didn't have yeah. really any friends up there, and it was like yeah. a brand new place. Um, but, it's, you know, it's probably the same thing for you, like moving from Nashville yeah. to here. It's like sure. you kind of know it's like the right thing deep down, so you just do it. And there's a little bit of uh, insecurity and discomfort in the process, but you just power through it and go on to the next thing
1: so what was your position there when you first started
0: um i was on the social media team uh-huh. um and it was like doing a lot of like the grunt work uh-huh. <laughs> as it should be you know <laughs> sure um a lot of answering emails a lot of like curation and uh yeah just uh proving that i'm like worth something
1: and what was your how long were you there
0: uh Total? Two years and nine, ten months, somewhere around there. let call it three years. Yeah,
1: and, like, what What was some of your biggest takeaways from working at GoPro?
0: Well, I would say it's, like, maybe two or three things. I think the first is that I got to travel the entire world. Oh, that's so cool. it gave me... And it was paid for. It paid for, yeah. So it gave me, uh, definitely, like, a worldly perspective very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing was is you're, you know, in charge of, like social media operations for a billion dollar company. And like that has like a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, um, like formality to it and a lot of like things that you need to understand about how like a business works. So that was probably be the second thing. And then the third thing would be, um, you know, I was at GoPro through, I mean, as you know, that they've had like a lot of ups and downs with different like product launches and different things. And just observing, um, from a younger perspective of like how, the company just handled it, how the CEO handled it. And it's just like, um, it's like those little things that just are so valuable.
1: Yeah. What did you learn in terms of just like how to make a, a, a effective ad or an effective video? What are some things that you learned from GoPro and then things that you even probably poured into the company yourself? Like, cause when I think about GoPro as a brand, they've just nailed it. Like, yeah, yeah they have this like, action sport brand totally on point and it's funny because like I don't even know what their demographic is but I would imagine that most people that buy GoPros Mm -hmm. don't do high action sports. It's like normal people who walk into Best Buy and they want a camera to film their kids with Right, and honestly it's not a good camera to film your kids with (laughs) because the wide angle distortion is all over the place the audio is terrible but they have feel like in a way people fantasize about wanting to be a motocross person mm. and the advertisement like sells them on like if you buy this you can go skydiving and be awesome yeah but then you end up just not really using the camera for, for those that. things
0: <laughs> well yeah well i mean i think above all with any business it's two aspects so you have brand and you have product yeah. and uh you know I, I think what you're speaking about is the phenomenon of just having a really really strong brand And you know, it's like whether you're choosing to wear Adidas or Nike's you, it's an extension of a representation of what you want to be or who you already are. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why a lot of people like really identify with the brand is, you know, they want to live adventurous, outdoorsy, um, thrilling lives Mm -hmm. and they feel like having a GoPro with them is in some way like empowerment to do that.
1: Yeah, totally. Did you, um, like in terms of video production, mm. what were some things that you were doing at GoPro that were a lot of fun for you?
0: Um definitely uh, we were doing a lot. Um like going on different like product launch video shoots. Uh when we launched Hero 6, like I did the like the whole European like kind of like tour with them, um doing like the global launch in the states. Did you do the, did you shoot stuff
1: for the for the launch? Or? um
0: i would have to go back through dude there's like that was that's like a year-long process sure. and there's there's so many teams that every are involved time they with it. every
1: time they release a new camera they release a film that's shot on that camera yeah and it's incredible it's always, always incredible and it's always like okay there was a crew of people making this like yeah because it looks so perfect mm-hmm. but it's shot on a gopro so they can still market it and sell it as shot on GoPro, but it's also shot on GoPro with a million dollar budget.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, the shoots would take months and months. Uh You're all over the world. You have the best athletes. Mm -hmm. You have people that know how to use the cameras the best. Like, you know, they put put the chess pieces in the right, places to make the best video possible are
1: are things like that outsourced or is is there an internal video team that does that stuff uh everything was internal really yeah so they hire the best like cinematographers and stuff
0: internally yeah everything was internal and um as i was like kind of leaving um a kind of the structure of how things were marketed were also kind of like starting to be changed. So for example, when I first started, everything was 100% GoPro, every single ad, everything was driven through that. Uh And then as I was kind of transitioning out, um, different companies were starting to be outsourced to do like much more of uh, like traditional advertisements. Yeah. Um so it's shot on an RE with a guy holding a GoPro? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um gotcha. which was like a big change and like there sure. definitely was like a lot of back and forth for like even That's what Apple does, so it's good for Yeah, them, right? it's not like <laughs> a it's not a bad thing, you know. It's like you gotta move and evolve with the times. Um yeah. but that was probably the only time I think things were outsourced and rightfully. So it's gotcha. a different skill set, a different uh directing mindset.
1: Yeah. Why did you leave? Did you quit? Did you get fired?
0: No, um, you know, I, I just think uh, I'm only 25. I yeah. started there when I was leaving, or I was 21, turning 22.
1: That was your first job.
0: Yeah. So well, not technically, but straight out of college. Out of college, yeah. yeah so. Um, and there was just a lot of other opportunity to go on yeah. the road with musicians, to do music videos, um, sure. to build my own personal brand, and like you learned a lot. Yeah, I just wanted to like go do something else and I felt like I learned as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So, it was just time to move on to the next thing.
1: What was it like working in a corporate environment with also art tied into it? Did they do a good job of, of fostering creativity inside of a corporate structure?
0: Yeah, I got like really blessed with an amazing That's team good. Um, and amazing leaders on that team. They're still like really like good friends of mine to this day. Um, cool. so I never felt like stifled by good. anything and like I worked
1: at a corporate place and I was on a creative team Uh and it just functioned as if we were the same as the business people. Really? And so corporately, like I had to answer to someone who had to answer to someone who had to answer to someone. And as a creative, like we were hired to create stuff, Yeah, but there was a hierarchy of like, unless so-and-so says that's okay, then we can't do it.
0: Well, there definitely was that. I mean, when you're talking a company that's doing, you know, has a billion dollar market cap. There is a hierarchy. That's how it goes. And there's like a vice president of marketing there's directors. Mm -hmm. So there is that like, uh, that path, you know, when you're trying to get things done. But, um, we had a girl on our team, her name's Leanne. She works for Google now who like, I always felt like really had our backs a lot. And, uh, I think that's probably why like no one on our team ever really felt that. Yeah.
1: That's why like, I feel like in a lot of ways, corporate companies, function better when they just outsource the creative Mm -hmm. work and you can just have a production house do it inside their own company is functioning as a creative uh company
0: yeah i think from a business perspective i think it it just depends on what your goals are but it's that route is sometimes actually actually not sometimes all the time a lot more expensive Mm -hmm. and it's hard for an external company to really understand the ethos of the company
1: that makes sense in also, my, in my opinion, I lived in Nashville and you lived in Silicon Valley. So like, it's a different world out there. Too. Oh yeah. It's I'm a
0: different sure. beast for sure.
1: All right. So moving on, um, your brand. Yeah. Definitely. As Matt Como, uh-huh. you, you left GoPro and just started going at it. Tell me about the process, what your goals were and kind of like where
0: you are now. Um, I think first and foremost, it was just, there's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a ton. Um, yeah. And tell me about it, man. I, it. I think like the first thing was just like wanting to like get a grip on a lot of different things, and yeah. um, I guess you know leaving GoPro like just gave me the opportunity to like work on my own time and create my own schedule. Um, so, sorry, what what was the original? It was question? just
1: kind of like the process of leaving and like your goals as a creative and building your brand. Like, what were yeah? Your, what were your first things that you did as soon as you left?
0: Uh, first thing I did first project uh was a chain music video that was nice. probably the first thing we did uh this uh music video for the song called everybody hates me
1: and were you directing or shooting uh or dp
0: dp dp on that nice. and then uh long time like good buddy and friend rory uh directed that super talented guy that's awesome so you hit the ground running just straight out of the gate that was i think that was maybe seven days after that's amazing like yeah <laughs> it literally was like yeah wow. we're already going um were you, did you want to be a cinematographer or a director? I, no, I don't want to be a cinematographer. Yeah. <laughs> not, not at all. I just like, I don't know. I guess I'm good at it. So I just let, yeah. do do it quite a bit. And that, if there's an opportunity where they need that, I'll do it. But you want to be a director. Director, yeah. yeah. Um, Writer, director. Yeah, a little bit of both. I, I really don't see myself as just being a filmmaker. Yeah. As weird as that may, may sound. I kind of like just want to be a creative you're an artist person yeah
1: we've interviewed people on this podcast who have that same trait where it's like I like photo I like video I like music like I feel like people are just designed sometimes to just be artistic yeah and just make and things you're an artist mm-hmm. you're not anything that's in a box like you just make art right so it can be paint it could be photo it could be video it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so I can relate to that sweet yeah. yeah so that's uh
0: do you do music too a little bit yeah um Starting out a little bit this year, we did a project for Google um, that had, like, an original track in it. Yeah. Um, Went up on Proximity's YouTube channel. uh, Spotify has, like, a couple hundred thousand on each platform. So, It's a
1: song that you made? uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So that, like, whole process kind of started, like, a year ago around today where... I did a piece for my mom and dad that had an original record with Mm -hmm. it. And, uh, a good buddy of mine, Kyle from gray, if you know who they are, they're musicians. Mm -hmm. They made, uh, the middle with Zed. Yeah. Uh, he like pretty much took the took the reins on that and helped out a ton with that one. Um, but that was kind of the first, I think, uh, piece that kind of like spawned the idea of like, it'd be cool to make the music that's in the videos. So, yeah. That's that,
1: brilliant. And then you don't have to pay copyright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you own it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So the Google one dropped, we got another project, uh, that's actually already done for, uh, Michael Kors coming out in September. Wow. Um, that has an original record at the end directed it, yada, yada, yada.
1: So I'm just getting the, like we just said, like, I'm just getting the idea that you just kind of put your hands on everything. You just love creating stuff. Yeah,
0: definitely. How do you stay focused? Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's. A, I guess that's a good question. I mean, like, I
1: can relate to that. Like, I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing YouTube videos on one channel. I have another channel, and then I'm doing freelance stuff. So it's like, right? It's hard to balance so many different things. things. Yeah, yeah. And then stay on top of it creatively as well. Uh huh. Because you don't want to drop the ball on a certain thing because you have another thing in the back of your mind.
0: Right. Um. I mean, it's tough. I think your uh priorities are always shifting. Yeah. And you just try and balance what's most important at any mm-hmm. given time. So mm-hmm. today it might be something different than tomorrow. Um, and then, like, that's kind of just, like, the micro, like, things that you're doing. Then you just got to look at the macro. Like, what's your actual goal? And is it what yeah. you're doing actually driving towards that?
1: So what is your actual
0: goal Um, right now? <laughs> right now? Because
1: uh, it does change. Mine's, have, mine's changed so many
0: times. Definitely, yeah. Um, You know, I, I think at the... At the most like uh, macro level, it's just to be widely considered as like a world world class creative. Mm -hmm. Um, So then you ask yourself, okay, then how do you do that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And it always comes back to creating the best product that you can possible. And I don't necessarily mean product by like a physical good, but like the best film, the best song. Sure. and eventually over time you start stacking those wins. And then, you know, you come onto a podcast like this and you're talking about GoPro and then you're talking about the music videos and you're uh, talking about music and it's just kind of all mm-hmm. kind of all adds up. I feel like we've had a, a guest that had that exact same path on this mm-hmm. podcast.
1: Oh, who oh wait, there? it's you. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, sorry. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky though. I know what you mean. Like there's it's a just... dad joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hard to balance it. And I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who can relate. It's like, oftentimes the thing that you're most passionate about isn't the thing that's putting uh food on the table right because you in my case i would do a music video i would direct and shoot a music video for free for a friend in nashville who you know is an up-and-coming pop singer or whatever because nashville's full of these incredible artists and then i would spend months on the vfx of it or whatever but at the same time, I had to like shoot a wedding just to pay the bills, just to pay for it. You know? Yeah. But then that slows down the creative process. So, but then for me personally, I eventually had to start saying no to stuff, and mm-hmm. my wife and I just made a decision to just trust the process and like get on a budget. Mm-hmm. there was like six, seven months where we were super broke, mm-hmm. and I was only doing YouTube. But then it kind of snowballed and turned into what like it? enough yeah. to survive off of. So in a way, if you Push through and have the guts to like live off of nothing and just do the thing that you want to do You are seen as that guy or girl and then you can get hired to do that thing that you made yourself
0: Become exactly But then
1: you obviously have to like pay your bills.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's tricky and um, you know I I, People are in so like such different circumstances, right? like you had a wife and you have a kid so like you have a completely set of response like different set of responsibilities that makes it infinitely much more difficult than Mm -hmm. even someone like myself i'm you know i don't have a wife kids mortgage none Mm -hmm. of that so i'm it's much more adaptable yeah um but i you know i empathize with you and it is very difficult so then i just think you ask yourself is it like is it worth it you know like if it's if it's really worth it to you deep down then you just try and find a way man (laughs) well yeah
1: well i'm i mean for me i'm super blessed my wife is very supportive and uh she learned pretty early on that she can't really like she knows that that this is what i love and mm-hmm. she's real supportive um, and it's been working out well somewhere. yeah it's been working really well and super blessed um and in a way i think having those restrictions if you want to call it that of like Having to provide for a family, it makes me work harder. Yeah, definitely. Because I literally have from this time of the day and this time of the day to get my work done, mm-hmm. so that I can be home and like be a present. Well, bad. you have
0: responsibility. Yeah, and that's like that's super important. <laughs> yeah. It probably gives you purpose. You probably wake yeah, up and oh, you're yeah. like, I literally need to get this done today. Oh, of like, yeah, that's good. Although I still procrastinate, like yeah. crazy. <laughs> as everyone does. <knows. laughs> um, so let's get into
1: some like technical stuff. Yeah. Um, how do you? How did you establish your like your editing style, your unique mm-hmm. editing style? Uh, That's kind of a
0: vague question, but um, well, let me switch this back onto you. How would you? How would you define it? And then I'll I can like talk about I guess how I refined it. Well,
1: <laughs> you're just really creative. Um, a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like it's almost like docu style with filmmaking and mm-hmm. uh, the edits are great the the (laughs) transitions um i don't know like is it just through trial and error and just lots of
0: Um, experimentation yeah i think there's definitely like experimentation involved um i definitely like to tell things like what's your favorite piece right now on your youtube channel that i've made Mm -hmm. um i really like uh like the mom and dad piece. I did that one like really like hits home for me. Um, I just watched
1: that before you came up here.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, the one I just did for DJI, I was pretty hyped on. I thought that turned out good. Yeah.
1: I did a review on that too. It's a great little gimbal. Yeah. It's nice. It's good. If Um, you're you're not familiar, uh, Matt and I reviewed the, uh, the SC, the Ronin SC. It's kind of the perfect size.
0: Yeah. It's great. It's great. Especially for like a small mirrorless setup. Um, but I guess, uh, i don't know i like to keep like the like the pace moving stuff
1: and the mom and dad yeah the old school stuff did you use the red giant universe plugin
0: uh for the alexa footage that i wanted to make look vintage (laughs) yes but that's actually (laughs) like old like vhs footage yeah it's the real deal guys (laughs) uh,
1: but like the hyperlapse that you do is just super epic i love the drone stuff uh with the hyperlapse and uh You know you're just mixing media it seems like
0: yeah 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 i always want like the films to kind of feel uh like an emotional roller coaster ride yeah and like really kind of bridge the gap between is it a vlog but is it like uh, this Mm -hmm. ultra cinematic thing yeah but then there's voiceover and then there's like wait then there's footage from like 1996 for some reason (laughs) you know what i mean where it's like this just like weird like conglomerate of like all these things and it just ends up working at the end did you end up capturing
1: like just a ton of vhs stuff and you have it like in a database or something or do you for
0: like that old footage my parents they just had it yeah they had a bunch of uh my mom went to like costco and got like the old tapes on dvd and
1: What's your process? Do you script it? Do you write it before you um,
0: make it? There's a decent amount of pre-production. I wouldn't say everything is completely scripted because... The vlog stuff is a little more improvised? Or? Yeah, definitely. I know what I need to talk about, and then I can yeah. just like get on kind of like this and just start talking. Yeah. Um, But I definitely need the idea like down like pretty solid, and yeah. then just go out and then do it. But I w- won't necessarily be like, we need to get like this shot this shot this shot this shot and like the whole thing structured i'll be like okay if there's 50 shots in this video i know what 10 of them like there has to be this shot like these anchor points need to exist in the in the piece and then the rest kind of like fills it in when Mm -hmm. you're there
1: do you call yourself a youtuber
0: no definitely not (laughs) definitely not and it's like always interesting when like you're a youtuber i'm like am i though yeah i don't think i don't i put my content on youtube because the attention's on youtube yeah it's
1: (laughs) it's a platform for you to post videos yeah uh, it's like if vimeo was what it was you'd be putting them on vimeo yeah exactly but it's not um, anymore, unfortunately that's staff pick
0: it, you know what it's interesting it's like would you consider uh like top 10 musician a youtuber because their music video is oh on their, yeah Vimeo. No. it's the same thing you no. know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like they put it there because that's where the eyes are yeah
1: but i post every friday and i have thumbnails that look like i'm <laughs> super yeah. happy so i'm a youtuber right I guess. I I guess. I I don't know, yeah. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Like, who is a YouTuber? Like, Logan Paul's a YouTuber?
0: Um, I mean, I would say so. I I guess, like, the word YouTuber is, like, getting a little bit more, like, blurred. Yeah. But I think if you're, like, documenting your daily life um, and... Responding to comments in the video. I guess so, yeah. Or, like, you know, making, like... Playing the algorithm game, all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's just, like, the type of content that you're doing. Like, if it's more like, you know, uh, I'm reacting to this. Or mm. it's, like, you know, day in the life this like yeah. type of thing. I think it, like, would be a little bit more... Yeah, because it's in the genre of
1: YouTube. But then your stuff could live on television. It could live on Vimeo. It could live on Netflix. Well, I think
0: that, yeah, the main difference is I'm doing, like... I'm doing commercial work for yeah. big companies and I'm doing music videos for big mm-hmm. artists. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very, yeah. it's different, you know?
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that. Music okay. videos. Yeah. 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 So you seem to be very passionate about music videos.
0: Do you love it? They're just fun to do. Yeah. Um, and you get, if you get, you get a good get artist, anything? do you get paid anything? Yeah. It just depends on yeah. the artist. Oh, yeah, of course. In
1: Nashville, the budgets have just, I have a lot of friends in the music video industry. Yeah. Um, And I was working with some producers out there and uh, I did a handful of stuff myself and the budgets just have been getting cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. And one of my friends, he said that like literally he was like last year. He did a Keith Urban video for two hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and then this year he did another Keith Urban video for twenty thousand. Like so, he said, "It's like polar opposite." And yeah. he's he had to get out of the production company like space, bec- and now he's just a freelance ad because like he's making more money just doing that freelance doing that, yeah. rather than taking a percentage as a production company because the budgets have been cut
0: like crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh I don't really know how to like speak on this too properly because like you said, like the polarity of like the budgets and yeah, between like different artists is so different that it's like really hard to like get a grasp mm-hmm. on it. Sure. Um,
1: just gotta get more creative, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, goes back to like what your motive is. If the motive is to, to make money, then maybe the music video space isn't for you. Actually, it's probably not for you. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, if there's an artist that you really love, like you'd probably do it for, yeah, of course, you know, for a, a cheaper rate or whatever that is. But, um, I don't know. They're just fun. I definitely don't see myself like doing them forever, you know? Yeah. But you know, I'll bang out a couple What's uh,
1: tell me some of your favorites that you've done.
0: Uh, Definitely, like the chain smoker stuff's been really cool. Um, and that, you know, I always think about like not just music videos, but just things I've done where I've felt like the happiest. Mm-hmm. And it's always with my friends. Yeah. So anything I'm doing with like a friend and like we're actually like doing something that reaches a wide mm-hmm. um, amount of people is always the best. Have you
1: worked with the guys a lot that have done those videos? Like have you been working with them for a couple yeah, of years? Yeah, for now? like
0: probably three years. Um, like I mentioned earlier, longtime collaborator and friend Rory, uh-huh. uh, we've done a lot together. We did a couple of those. We did I shot his MTV show, a couple mm-hmm. episodes on that, and uh, it's just fun, man. Cause, like you speak the same language when you get to know somebody on that level. Uh, was is he a director? Uh, yeah, and you're yeah, the yeah. DP kind of yeah we kind of kind of sort of i mean yeah i guess yeah on if yeah. you're looking at the credits yeah but it's more so <laughs> it's collaborative I, well we just view it more so as like it's like a friendship you know and yeah. like he needs help with something I, i'll help him out and like yeah okay slot me into this role let's, yeah. let's do it that's
1: awesome um i've worked with a couple of directors as well and like when you get to know them you can almost body language wise like understand what they want mm-hmm. and like it just flows so much better on mm-hmm. set and when you look at a lot of filmmakers like Spielberg and Scorsese and anybody, like they tend to work with the same, same people. kind of guys and girls all the time because they get to know each other.
0: Yeah, it makes the process so much better.
1: Yeah, it's like one cohesive mind mm-hmm. working on the project. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what do you think of... This is totally off topic. What do you think of the Lion King movie? Have you seen I it? I haven't seen the new one, no. So is I just, it good? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Okay, But I've heard that it's literally just like word for word like the same as the actual animation like the old 90s -hmm. film but i listened to an interview today the only reason i'm bringing it up is because it's like top of mind john favreau directed it and um he said that they basically did everything as if it were like a pixar animated film as far as storyboards and like the animatics and the animation and all that but then when it came to the shoot uh and like the setup of the camera angles and stuff instead of having the animators do the camera moves and the lighting he hired like a full crew and everything and they literally had all the animation done so they created vr space inside of a studio and they used real dollies they used actual jibs they even for the opening shot on pride rock like of holding this the you know, baby Simba and circle of life right. moment. They literally used a drone to film that Interesting. in a virtual space. Huh. The drone was scaled as if it were a helicopter to whatever size the lions were. And so there's like little imperfections in the camera movement that just feel more natural. There was like actual shoulder cam stuff being done. That's and sweet. The cinematographer and everybody wore VR goggles and they could literally see the lions acting out their roles. That's insane. What do you think of the future when you hear stuff like that? Like, isn't that crazy? Hey, it's cool. He also said like the cinematographer was working with like normally it's almost like video game stuff with lighting, uh-huh. where they just blast light in certain areas and there's no standard. It's just kinda like, all right, turn that up to ten percent or thirty percent or right, whatever. Right. But they Completely recoded everything so that the DP could speak in his language and was like, I need a 10K here with a bounce over here. And like, he was literally saying, I need a 10K. And they would put a 10K
0: virtually in the set. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? I think it's cool. I think it's sweet. (laughs) Um, Is that getting good reviews? Last I heard, I I think so. read like one article that's like kind of bashed it, but I
1: think technologically, obviously, this is very amazing Uh technology. Um, And I kind of want to see it as a nerd to mm-hmm. like see the the way they pulled it off but uh because it's literally almost like line for line the exact same as the 90s film I haven't seen it so I you know don't take what I say as a grain of salt but like uh apparently it's kind of like why why did you make this like mm-hmm. you can just go watch it's
0: like a remastered
1: the original. version i guess yeah it's yeah, like yeah. look they have turned into real life characters yeah um, yeah um so yeah but like, does that kind of stuff excite you? Do you get involved in like visual effects at all? Do you? I mean, a little it? bit,
0: not at that scale, obviously. I mean, yeah, like, uh, it's very that's, expensive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's crazy. But um, I think it's cool. Uh, I mean, everything got has got to move and evolve, and yeah. if that's the way things are going. That's the way they're going. Do you play around in After Effects or anything? Oh like yeah, that? of course. Video oh, Copilot, of are course. You... <laughs> oh my God, yeah, Andrew Kramer, he's yes, the goat. <laughs> Andrew Kramer here. Yeah. Um, uh, Definitely. Every project I do has a ton of After Effects work involved. Yeah. So I'm in, in that program as much as I am Premiere.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're an Adobe guy? hmm I'm a Final Cut X guy, but I still love After Effects. Is it good? Do you like it? I love it. I've been on it since the beginning. Interesting. I'm one of the guys that moved from Final Cut 7 to X and just dealt with it. <laughs> well,
0: Fair enough. The I f- think they do a lot of things right. The first sure. couple
1: of years with Final Cut Ten were terrible. Like, mm-hmm. everybody hated it i was fortunate enough to just be a solo editor so like it didn't really bother me the collaboration stuff and um it was fast so that's why i liked it Mm -hmm. and now it's completely like they've got all the pro features in there uh it's actually an open standard so anybody can develop plugins and effects for it um so i feel like the plugin ecosystem is much better than adobe's Mm -hmm. and the amazing thing is they optimize for the computers mm-hmm. because it's yep. the same company that makes both. So, like, you hit an export in Premiere, it'll take literally three times as long. Classic. As Love it. So, it. <laughs> so, um, you know, you, you have to spend more money on your machine if you're an Adobe mm. editor. Um, but if, you know, if that's not a problem, then so be it. But... I have a, this is my $1,200, 13 inch base model, MacBook pro. I've mm. been using this for two years now. I shoot and edit everything in 4k. I don't even, it's slowed for exports, but as far as editing, like it's fine.
0: Nice. Damn. Yeah. Well, you,
1: that's a good sell. <laughs> I hope, I hope you're getting a commission right now. Yeah, I know. Right. And I paid $300 for it six years ago. So nice. that was, that's the other thing. So there's no monthly fee. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you recently you collaborated on a music video out of sight with Emily Zek. Yes, tell me about that project. How did you get involved?
0: um that was with Google um that was like the Google project uh we had a song. she hopped on it and sang, yeah, uh, she's super nice, really talented girl. Um, did
1: you work as a producer on the music?
0: uh yeah, with a couple other people definitely had to, had some help with that um but uh yeah, we like sat down had a couple writing sessions uh produced it out, and then uh, made the video and pushed it as hard as we could. It's amazing. Yeah. What's
1: it like getting involved in music now that you're kind of um, dabbling in that?
0: I think it's just, it's fun. It's like a good creative outlet. I mean, you can yeah. probably empathize with, like, you know, you do video after video after video. <laughs> yeah. And you do that for – I mean, if, if you consider it from the first time I picked up a camera around 13 or 14 to being 25, it's like 10 years of, yeah. like, this is of really – Done yeah. this video stuff, so it's just like a nice like change of pace for a little bit. You know, access a different part of your creativity. And Are your you mind. learning
1: like Logic or Pro Tools and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah,
0: Ableton. Um, okay, slowly but surely. There's like a lot uh, in the pipeline, video wise, coming up. That like there's only so much time in the day to do so yeah. many different things. Um, but you know, I just think it's fun to do. So what's just, your what's your daily uh, schedule look like? No, there is no daily schedule. That's the thing. yes. Another one like me. There's no, uh, <laughs> I guess if you could say that there's any like constant throughout everything, it's, uh, would be like working out and, uh, is that and, a like, morning thing or a night thing? Uh, it's you? always morning. Always yeah. morning. First thing in the morning. Um, generally. Yeah. Not Maybe, like too early. Um, do you eat a snack or a protein shake before? No, no, just go right just in. Just go straight do, in. Yeah. Do you brush your teeth at least. Yeah. At least yeah, do that. Yeah, I at least put on some clothes too. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> don't you worry about that. Um, normally it's like seven, seven 30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, do that like three four days a week But
1: you're super hungry after your workout right
0: not really no I can kind of like sustain it to like <laughs> no way you don't week. eat breakfast no, no I breakfast. haven't since like college yeah it's so funny to me how like growing up you hear
1: breakfast is the most important no I don't eat breakfast and <laughs> like now I don't even think I don't think that's true at all it was like no <laughs> it was completely a lie from like the cereal companies mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for you to eat
0: sugar and yeah buy some uh, lucky charms yeah I do uh, love lucky charms, though, let <laughs> me tell you <laughs> what
1: kind of cereals did you eat growing
0: up uh lucky charms <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch, peanut butter puff,
1: really they let you eat all that oh yeah, it's
0: part of your part of
1: your what was it called
0: part of your everyday breakfast or what was it so, or Remember they they used to say that I used to have those Do you remember when they have Like the to-go cereals Oh yeah They were in like The little like containers Part of your complete breakfast That was it Is that what it They would always say that In the commercials So you'd bring that to school Oh yeah Oh yeah yeah. With some milk in it uh, It was great That's terrible for you But it's so good Yeah Not anymore Not anymore Yeah
1: Even the good cereal Like Cheerios Like you'd be better off Just not eating Just not eating Yeah Yeah. Just have like an apple Or something Exactly (laughs) But uh, we teach kids To eat cereal For some reason um okay so as you can see we took a turn as you can see i like to just bounce around it's all good your youtube video for a movement called what if you only had it one day received 130,000 views on youtube and it's really uh you know really sick video so tell me about that working with movement
0: um i've been a friend of the brand for so long like three four years um i've been friends with uh like blake and uh jake is their ceo for a while now and uh that video, they were just like, what is like one day that would be like the craziest day that you could imagine? Yeah. So I just thought of like my favorite adventurous things to do and we did it in one day. So we woke up in Tahoe, did like a run by the lake, snowboarded, and then flew back to OC, cliff jumped in uh, um, Corona Del Mar. I was thinking uh, Costa Mesa, no, Corona Del Mar. And then we got picked up in a helicopter in CDM and then did a sunset ride over LA. Yeah. In one day like it was crazy it's amazing. and what's even crazier about that day like if that wasn't enough uh-huh. I was also in the final stages of post-production on a uh, Tiesto video uh-huh. and we were like going back and forth with the label that day and like in order for it to be pushed on to Spotify that next following day uh-huh. like the video had to be done by like 1 a.m. or something <laughs> so like I kid you not I am like cliff jumping <laughs> literally back flipping <laughs> off this thing my team's like getting everything together and then I I'm like in the car as we're like going to get on this helicopter, like piecing Editing. together the final pieces of this T S thing. <laughs> it's like, it was insane. Just weird timing. <laughs> do you not yeah.
1: have like editors and stuff or,
0: uh, we do, but like this was like, we're on the last like Super stage of something. Minute. And it was like something that I just, it would have taken more time to delegate and like get on a phone and be like, no, nah, this isn't right. And then just like, give, yeah. me, give me the laptop. Like <laughs> I'll just get this thing done real quick.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Wow. I, was that like kind of a dream come true to do all those things? It's
0: definitely unique.
1: A lot of people don't realize, but like at least for me, every time I've traveled and done a shoot, like in a tropical location or like done something really cool, people usually say, Oh man, it looks like so much fun, like great vacation. So much fun. It's like when I was in a helicopter filming stuff in Maui, like I was not in a helicopter enjoying the views of Maui. Yeah, I was no, concerned no. about the shot like oh man the whole helicopter is vibrating so all my shots are totally ruined i gotta turn the ibis off on the camera because it looks weird but then it's not stabilized so i gotta stabilize it in post you know like yeah i'm literally so thinking about. so when you're doing all these things your mind is so focused on the job that do you find you don't actually enjoy stuff or are you able to stop and kind of enjoy
0: it uh, for that particular job specifically, if that's the example and use case, uh, <laughs> that was just, just like, yo, let's turn and burn. Like we got to get this done, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. That's just that particular example. Um, yeah, there's like, I mean, if you're, um, you know, on a set, there's definitely like a, like a, a much more proper set. There's definitely like, you know, downtime to like really take it all in and be yeah. like, damn, there's literally 15 people here like working to like make this vision come true. And like there, those, it's in fun. those moments I'm kind of like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but not when I'm cliff jumping off of something <laughs> like I mean
1: I, and you and you also know when I land, I have to finish this edit. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's all, it makes for a good story. So,
1: um, so you hold different contests on your social channels called the Matt Como challenge. Yeah. What does this contest, uh, exactly, Like, entail what is what is it?
0: Um, it's just a way for, um, I guess my audience to try new editing techniques, Uh try new things, um, and just a way to like kind of get the community together. So, like, the first one, uh, that I did, um, you know, I just wanted people to like start creating things. So, I thought about okay, what is like the biggest, uh, not drawback. What am I trying to say? Like the biggest like roadblock for somebody to like create something and that's just having footage. So I was like, "Here's footage." You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, yeah. And it like it was a variety of clips. So, like, here's some like really good drone clips. Here's like some close-ups. Here's you know this whole thing. I'm like, just mm-hmm. go make something. You didn't have to use the clips. It was just like here's this, and yeah. like you can supplement, do whatever. It just has to be in a certain time frame. Uh-huh. Use whatever song. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It ended up uh, I think like two thousand kids did it, which is like. Kind of crazy to think because You really
1: offended that forty five year old that did it, but did he, I well, who, he called him a kid.
0: Uh yeah, some older <laughs> guy. Sorry, man. Some random forty five year old. No, but I, I after that, like I was kinda of taken back a little bit because that's cool. I think for to have a call to action for somebody to take the time like you know what it's like to edit a video. Take the time to go to a link to download it, to put effort into it, to come up with music, yeah, to actually edit the thing repost it like and do that and have like 2000 people do that is like that's amazing it's crazy and it's like I, my audience i'm not in the millions by any means you know what i mean like i've yeah. just under 200 on it the platforms
1: they're really engaged and they they love your stuff it shows and that they care but they is also like, care about being artists too which yeah is cool. which is cool i like it <laughs> how'd you come up with it mm
0: i don't remember just a wacky idea on yeah a wednesday night or yeah. something what was
1: the prize was there like a winner
0: uh yeah so it was like being shouted out on my story i did like nice. three and then uh the guy who like won like i think i like pretty much blew him up for like four or five stories and he was in like my little highlighted like thing with his handle for like, oh, a, walk, for like a month or two that's awesome it's like i mean not to like be like <laughs> no weird, money or not anything. to be like weird about it but it's like it literally, if a brand was like, we want you to do this, this, this on the story. And like, you're on like the highlighted, like little bit, like there'd be a, there'd be a big chunk of change involved with that. So like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you guys like, it's a good deal in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, it seems
1: like you're always traveling or producing some sort of big collaboration how do you feel about just constantly being on the go? Do you, Is that what you love? Or do you kind of wish that you were home
0: more? Uh, I took a break this year, for sure. Um, yeah. I pretty much traveled really consistently from, like, 22 to uh, the start of this year uh, to the point where it was, like, like people, like, like, say, oh, I travel a lot. Like, no, no, no. This was, like, 200-plus days a year. Yeah. I'm in sometimes on tour, like three different cities in one day type of traveling like yeah crazy stuff um and i think at the start of this year i was like i want to just chill for a bit and that's what i've done uh so i'm ready to get back that's good man yeah get back at it though a little bit
1: man i can relate again it's just like when you're working non-stop it's just it's hard on your body it's hard on your mind yeah it's yeah. hard on your creativity too because mm-hmm. it's like you just it's a muscle and it needs to rest just mm-hmm. like when you're working out you it's important to rest it's when your muscles build more strength right right so like in the same way when you have some time to be in nature to be home to just chill like your mind can kind of reset and you're also inspired by seeing the real world mm-hmm. like in a non-work environment and like oh that gives me an idea or that gives me an idea. You
0: know? Yeah. I think a lot of growth comes from rust and, uh, you know, kind of taking a step back and assessing like everything you've done, like yeah. I've done a lot in the last, like early part of my twenties, you know, and it's almost to the effect that like, it's kind of just like a whirlwind. Yeah, It's like crazy how yeah. f- much has we're happened. so lucky
1: to be born in this time mm-hmm. where like, it's just such a different world. I feel like still companies don't understand it. A lot of uh, people are coming aware of it, but still... You're talking like, about like just the digital space? Just the digital space and being able to create and make a living mm-hmm. off of the internet. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You can live anywhere and make a living.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. I, I feel like
1: I don't understand the full breadth of what you do because you mentioned tour. I didn't even... I don't have it in my notes. Yeah. I didn't know that. So you go on tour with bands too? Yeah. yeah. I've done definitely my fair share
0: of that a lot. Yeah, um, It's
1: like being a pirate on the, on a, on a, I I've done a few tour like documentary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's literally like you're on a boat with a bunch of
0: pirates. Yeah, going it's crazy. There. It's kind of fun. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of like, that goes back to our conversation maybe like 20 minutes ago about like not being put in a box. It's like, mm-hmm. there's just done a lot of different things, had my hands on a lot of different things. It's um, important to do that at a younger age. Yeah. Just like experiencing things, you know? Um, and it gives you perspective. Who are some artists that you went on tour with? You know, I've done stuff with, uh, you know, chain smokers, Justin Caruso, uh, Tiesto. We did a new year's run with Tiesto. That was like, yeah, that was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good time. I literally, this year, started this year. Uh, it's like three, two, one, happy new year. It's the only two people on stage. It's me and Tiesto. I'm like shooting him and like, yeah, you know, he like, the balloon like not balloons what am i trying to say like the confetti and all the stuff's going off and like you know he wants to celebrate so he like he's like looking around like who's around him and it's literally just like me and him and like <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's great it's was, it was a cool moment for sure what do you shoot on uh when you're doing stuff like that uh that mirrorless was or bigger stuff no that's all mirrorless it's all just run and gun like yeah
1: it's like sony's or
0: yeah a7r3 is kind of like my go-to right now um we'll see if canon i think they're gonna do like the eos R, like pro or something maybe yeah 2020 though, Mm -hmm, before the olympics so i mean i can wait out for like another year or Mm -hmm. nine months whatever it is but probably would jump to that yeah um the black magic seems kind of cool if like you were talking run and gun but i don't know so
1: like right now your go-to is the a7r3
0: yeah for the most part do you shoot in
1: the crop 4k mode or full frame
0: uh the i like the cropped 4k it's yeah. actually it's It's, sharper it's nice yeah. yeah um i also like the 1dx quite a bit yeah the autofocus the dual pixel autofocus is really nice yeah of course
1: um both of those cameras are great do, do you shoot 1080 on the
0: 1dx or 4k uh 4k mostly and then do you obviously convert it to pro or something uh i do yeah because yeah. that uh was motion it MPEG JPEG. four? Yeah, Motion JPEG. That format is god awful. Terrible.
1: It's so terrible. Yes. No matter. Like even I've actually. So I have a one DC, and I. Okay. I, that's like the old like cinema camera. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it was, it's a one DX, but it's the cinema version. Interesting. Does that have
0: like C log or something on it? Yeah,
1: it has C log continuous recording. Has a super thirty five mode, which is really nice, mm-hmm. but it's ten eighty. But it's got the same four K one point three X crop with the Motion JPEG, but it's Canon which is great.
0: The one DX two doesn't have that. I don't get Canon's deal. I, I know <laughs> they, every single time they come out with a product, it's like the one feature that everybody wanted uh-huh. is absent on that product. So the USR, there's no there's a heavy crop on the 4K. It's almost like and the rolling shutter is terrible. They had like all the features and they put it on a whiteboard <laughs> and they're like, okay, then they circled like this product's gonna have this, but if this product has this nah you're not getting that you know <laughs> what I, like that's literally what it feels like yeah it kills me well um there is an article that
1: was going around this last week about canon releasing their financial reports and they've continued to like lose a ton of market share and the camera division is slowly declining and so they make these general statements like yeah the camera market is just going to crap because mm-hmm. of mobile phones and so we're going to focus more on medical devices because they do like x-ray stuff and all sorts of stuff yeah so the c on a ceo level like they're not very interested in the imaging as much interesting uh, like the digital camera space but the truth is is sony is eating their lunch and Mm -hmm. like because they not only make their own cameras but they make the sensors Sensors, for everybody else whereas i'm pretty sure
0: gopro had a sony sensor for a while
1: yeah So that's why, um, yeah, the Sony action cameras have, like, the same sensor in it as the GoPro. It's just Mm -hmm. a different body or whatever. But anyways, it's kind of depressing because at the end of the day, Canon's, like, design is great. I think, like, the 1DX2, for example, the way that the buttons are laid out, the way the menu structure is, is so intuitive. And, Mm -hmm. like, I, with my 1DC, like, I can just, with my eyes shut, like, change the exposure and change the white balance without even thinking about it and i also think the colors are always just on point and they're perfect mm-hmm. not perfect but they're they're pretty close to it um whereas sony still like even though they've done a lot with their color like it still is never it's a much there. more
0: like a broadcast digital mm-hmm. type of it's it's hard like unless you're in the film like you probably wouldn't really know the difference but yeah. i know exactly what you mean yeah. it's like a, an alexa versus red like red is a much more digital kind of like this hyper uh, like sharp type look. Yeah. It's got some like weird, like coloring in the highlights in my opinion. Um, yeah. Whereas Alexa, you have like the like creamy skin tones Mm -hmm. and it just feels much more like filmic, but it's like, it's such like an intangible thing to like describe to somebody who doesn't do Mm -hmm. film, you know?
1: Yeah. But when you see it, you know it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's why I think reds are great for sci-fis for, um, horror films. Mm -hmm. And then Alexa is great for cinematics and romantic comedies. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> if only they had the frame rates with the resolution, yeah. if only. You can never get everything. No, why not? <laughs> Literally, why not? What's going on? <laughs> um,
1: so you did an AMA on your Twitter, um, and I don't know if you did one on Instagram as well. No, I didn't. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I, I actually pulled up your Twitter post. You said, "Hey, I'm on the Polar Pro podcast tomorrow. Ask me a question, and we'll try to answer them." Yeah. So I'm just gonna go through and ask you some questions that pull up Sweet. on here. Um, you actually responded to this one. Uh, Lens Quest asks, "What do you think of the Sony A7R4? Is the increase of megapixel forty two megapixels versus sixty one really a game changer for photography, or is it more a marketing gimmick?" Yeah. And you actually responded to him on Twitter. Um,
0: I'll let you respond now. Yeah, it's in a audio. marketing gimmick. It's so pointless. Isn't Nobody asked
1: for it. Nobody 60 wanted... megapixels. And... Uh, the only and, people that use that are people who are shooting like
0: medium format in a portraiture setting or maybe like... And like correct that, me but... if I'm wrong. If there's more... I mean, it's a full frame sensor. Yeah. So if there's more pixel density within the sensor, then that means that there's less sensitivity on the sensor for mm-hmm. light. So You're that correct. means that your low light performance is going mm-hmm. down. So I'm like... I, even, I think I responded in there. I'm like, if you're shooting stuff that's maybe on Times Square, like billboards consistently, I'm like, maybe. But even then, I'm like, <laughs> you still don't need it. Yeah. Most, you know? most billboards and most uh, bus wraps are shot on much lower megapixels. Yeah, no, it's not. You don't need that.
1: But um, for you, like when you take photos with your A7R three, do you like the fact that you got all that megapixel to crop and I actually and stuff? hate
0: taking photos on my A7R III. So I think you, it's terrible.
1: Do you shoot in a smaller... Uh, compression to not deal with the massive files uh
0: you? no i just will shoot max but i honestly uh most uh a like
1: three is perfect to me 24 megapixels plenty
0: yeah that's all you need um i actually might just pick up just for the sake of it just a 5d4 yeah just for photos because mm-hmm. i just think it's way better of a camera yeah and you it's sh- the same thing where it's like it's just like the color science and just the way things come yeah. out or just just look better just get, get the usr because you'll actually use that for video you think so yeah i have well i had one
1: i sold it but um you're not <laughs> for
0: then in the best case
1: right now. <laughs> well I, I uh i have a 1dc i've got an olympus i've got a gh4 i've got a, a nikon like i have too many cameras so that's why i sold it right. <laughs> but i'll probably rebuy it to be honest but the flip screen is amazing and it's you nice. will use it i promise like for you do like all the time on your videos like these random like selfie shots where you talk yeah, occasionally Yeah,
0: little RX100 that I use. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, did you see the new RX100 with a mic jack? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what were you doing before that? Recording separate and then syncing it? No, I just use nothing. I just oh, wow. hold it out there and then EQ, uh, the crap EQ out of it. it, yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. That's amazing. It works most of the time, not all the time, but uh yeah, yeah there's no mic input. It's like weird. But the what I like about the Mark V of the RX is that it the aperture goes down to one eight, whereas yeah, the six and then the no, seven is two eight. That's stupid. I don't know why they put a zoom on it too. That's like you'd be <laughs> shooting. Giraffes in Africa, or something. Two hundred like like, two hundred millimeters. Yeah. Sometimes I think a lot of these brands just don't listen to their consumer base, <laughs> and like what they actually need. Except Fuji, they've been crushing it. You think so? Yeah. Uh, they got 10 bit 4K
1: 60 on the T- XT3, and the camera costs fourteen hundred dollars.
0: They just don't have the brand. That's the problem. Yeah,
1: and the flip screen. Nobody puts a flip screen on it except Canon and Panasonic. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about the S1H? From Panasonic.
0: No, I haven't. So they
1: released it at CineGear. It'll do 4K at 120 frames per second, and I think it'll do 6K up to 30 frames per second internally, 10 bit, uh, and it's got a flip screen on it. What's the like form factor of it? Full frame. It's the same like roughly same size as their new full frame line, the S1, just kind of like. Interesting. It's a mirrorless camera. Interesting. But it's got a vent and a fan built into it, so that's how they're able to do all the crazy. Uh, frame huh, rates. That's interesting. I'll have to so look that up. That'll be cool. And then obviously, we have not seen the 87S III, which everybody in the world is just waiting on.
0: Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll all be dead and it'll
1: come out. All right. So, Billy quash films asks if you could only edit for the rest of your life or shoot for the rest of your I'll life stop
0: you right there shoot Which would you <laughs> stop you right there dude i'm right there with you yeah man.
1: what's so great about shooting is it's like a day of work and then you're done like yeah, you never yeah. have to go back to it if you're only a shooter it's great
0: yeah uh you know i think uh something that i like want within the next like two years is uh, definitely to emphasize a lot more, especially through like my platform and audience, just like how, uh, important editing is and how, uh, like just labor intensive. Oh, I yeah. think a lot of people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, the people that really only can empathize with you are people that do yeah. it. Um, cause it's a lot. Oh yeah. It's a lot. It kind of blows my mind too, that like, especially in the
1: YouTuber world, there's a lot of big YouTubers they actually still edit themselves. Mm-hmm. So like David Dobrik, who's got well over ten million. Yeah. There.
0: It also too, but like for like David Dobrik, and not to knock him at all because he's an abs- absolutely incredible. But yeah. like the that type of editing is so much more. Yeah. Easier, you know, it's simplistic. It's um, uh,
1: it's I would imagine that he's probably going pretty much linearly with what he oh, 100%. shoots, and then it's just cutting out the bad 100%. stuff. Hundred percent. I've actually seen. On Twitter, like a screenshot of his computer and he edits an iMovie, which is awesome. Yeah, and it works. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think what's like interesting is like even like that last like DJI campaign that I put out. Yeah. Like honestly speaking, I think dedicated work looking at my screen, it's, it's probably, I would say anywhere between 70 to 100 hours mm-hmm. of work Wow, to like make something like that. Um, And like, you know, I'm obviously talking about kind of with the idea, however things pieced together going into after effects mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's crazy especially yeah. if you want to make something that's like really cool
1: yeah i think again it, it, there's a line of like there, there's two options in this like influencer internet world now mm-hmm. it's like do you want to just be an artist which i totally see you as where mm-hmm. you're not driven you do make a living doing this and mm-hmm. you get paid to do it but i still feel like in our conversation you do it because you love it you're an artist 100 you're not doing it for the money Hundred percent. But then there's people who okay, if I if I review this thing that's brand new and I get it out before anyone else, Mm -hmm. and I'm just fast and I post on a regular schedule and my thumbnails follow this certain structure and I make it a certain length to make sure that I get all the monetization points that I want and like I tell them and do this and I do that and I hashtag it like crazy. Like it becomes that's a job and that's its own thing that's not really art as much, but it can be, I guess. Too.
0: I think that's like the difference between just being, um, I would, I would hate to say just mediocre, but I think that's the difference between just being good at something and then being like yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Sure. It's, you have to love it. You have to put in the time. And, uh, I'm always, always, always conscious about the, you got to put out the best product. Yeah, You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. you think about it in like sports terms, like LeBron James, his number one mission is outside of the business of LeBron James and everything he's doing, it's to be the best basketball player. And my yeah. mission is always to be put out the best product, be the best filmmaker. And it's like, it takes the time to do it. Then you get like, you have to do I love it. that. So, and, um,
1: yeah. And I can, so I can totally understand that. And, but there's also plenty of people who don't want to be the best. Mm-hmm. They understand that they just want to make a living. Yeah, that's fine. That's completely right. fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, like and that's where i don't know if you ever listened to gary vaynerchuk but mm-hmm. like his whole message is like just create stuff document over create which yeah. i completely kind of disagree with it's as such an a artist. different formula yeah like i remember seeing an interview with him with casey neistat and he was telling casey like you need to be putting out more stuff
0: like you're on top of it i'm sure casey would in Casey's Casey's at... like no i just do what i want like yeah I don't care. yeah yeah i mean different strokes for different folks you know that's right um i think i mean gary, i've met gary a handful of times and we've done some stuff together but he uh yeah he definitely is uh much more like business minded yeah know? And i think he just looks at it from a practical perspective versus yeah. like an artistic
1: maronzo del popolo sorry if i completely botched that what was your first camera and how long before you saved up to buy the best camera of all time
0: oh my god of all time i still haven't bought the oh wait that's camera.
1: not what he said the best camera at the time
0: <laughs> uh first like real purchase of a camera was a sony cx 500 oh nice you probably have no it's is just that a like camcorder a, it's like a handy cam yeah, yeah that had uh you know sony does like the uh i think they call it the s and q yeah where it's like the super slow-mo it could yeah. do that for like five seconds oh that's cool just so sick <laughs> but uh, i was like 14 <laughs> like, yeah damn this is slow um that was 60 probably the, frames yeah or something <laughs> like that um but it's cool is it was, was the first one um yeah i still think the the steady shot in those things rival oh yeah it's like insane you can run with those and it's like yeah. pretty smooth it's pretty amazing did mm-hmm.
1: you shoot on like glide cams
0: and stuff like mm-hmm. Glide cam uh hd 2000 was the first guy the first yeah. one
1: i had the hd 4000 those things were amazing mm-hmm. on a 5d like it was perfect and they
0: still uh rory still shoots with that he won't use a gimbal you'll shoot massive shows with the yeah. glide cam. That's like his thing. I
1: think there's a look to it that you miss with the gimbal.
0: It feels much more, uh, human. Yeah. Like gimbal's is just very, like, obviously it's robotic. You're locked to like a certain access.
1: The great thing about a gimbal is your horizon never moves. Mm-hmm. And with the glide cam, you can sometimes have swaying yeah. left to right, but in a way that can add a, a feel to
0: it. I like the robotic feel to it. Yeah, It's my preference.
1: I, uh, I think the trick really is to use, um, like a boosted board or a one wheel or sit in a wheelchair or something. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get your footsteps out or even use like a, I think you can buy like Steadicam vests for a gimbal now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the footsteps can really get into it a gimbal. It up, yeah. and you can mess it up. Although I, I still own the Movium five, the f- free fly, mm-hmm. and I still think the free fly movies like look They're so incredible. much better than a lot of the kind of like cheaper gimbals that everybody's shooting on now. Mm-hmm. Um, DJI's gotten a lot better for sure, but um, yeah, those those two handed like old school movies like they still look they great, they crush, yeah, yeah. How have you evolved into the creator you are today? You mm-hmm. can I ask that. I'll ask that one first because two questions, okay.
0: Um, world experience, um. Personal experience, all the best art always comes from personal experience. Um, Everybody has a unique perspective to tell. So it's like your job as a creative to tell that, whether it's through music and lyrics or through story and video. So that's kind of it. And then- uh, What tools do you use to
1: learn new techniques and improve?
0: um, I guess, you know, watching like a lot of like, well, okay, it's kind of a double-edged sword you have like you need to understand the software like extremely well Mm -hmm. um whether your editor's final cut or premiere but then even after effects like you need to have a foundational knowledge of how things work yeah so the reason why i prefaced what i'm about to say with that is now i can for the most part watch something and have like a 90 plus percent idea of like how it was executed yeah um So I think that's incredibly important because now once you do that, you kind of have like the unlock to your Mm -hmm. creativity, you know, nothing's, nothing's really like smoke and mirrors anymore. It's just like, okay, they did it this way. Like that was a really good idea. How do we like do it a little different now? You can
1: deconstruct it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, I went to, like, a Vincent Lafrey. Do you know who he is? Mm-mm. He was the first guy to shoot on a 5D Mark II for video mm, back okay. in 2008. Um, and he had an education course, and he talked about, like, one of the best ways to learn is to literally just put in a movie that you like and watch certain scenes over and over and over and deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't have to necessarily go to film school. You can actually watch a movie and learn from the movie just don't watch it as a viewer right watch it as a technician
0: dude i miss those days when the it was the 70 and then the 5d2 when it was like camera the 70 yeah the first uh i think those were the first dslrs that did video and like everybody was just like
1: it changed the whole industry oh my god yeah because overnight at least for us i was shooting weddings at the time with a friend who had a wedding film company and we sold our like Camcorders with like a lettuce adapter, the 35mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it was like this bazooka big camera. Thing, yeah, but it looked great because you had the depth of field, but it was terrible in low light and it was huge and like ridiculous. And we sold that and bought a 5D2, and then I eventually got two 70s and some EF lenses. And like overnight, the cameras shrunk, they got cheaper, yeah, it's great, and they looked way better. It was great, it was such a revolution.
0: It's not even that long ago, too.
1: No, it's I crazy. Mean, how... Well, it's 11 years now 10 years was that, that long ago 2008 this is like really cool question that someone asked me on a podcast and so i'm totally stealing it from him but All i think it's a great question if you could have anything on a billboard in times square mm-hmm. that's just like a quote or a saying that you could just put out there in the world for people to read to mm-hmm. see like what's the message that you'd want to put on like a, a times
0: square or i'd say believe in yourself that'd awesome. be the first thing right away. Um, I think, uh, a lot of people won't, um, make decisions or go after what they want in life because they're afraid of external judgment. They're afraid of failure. Um, and I think, uh, the pain of regret and the pain of not doing something is far more, uh, scary than the pain of like being let down or, or failing. So I would just say like, believe in your idea, believe in yourself. And, uh, just like go after it. I love
1: it. Mm. Well, and to wrap this whole thing up, what words of wisdom do you have for creatives that want to do what you're doing that are inspired by what you've done over the last 10 years? Um, with some just words of inspiration you can give them.
0: I think you just, you got to love it. Um, cause I, I don't want to paint a picture that everything's like romantic and easy cause it's, it's far from that and it's very difficult, um, to like really make it. Uh, and I'm not saying like I have by any means, like there's still a lot that I want to do. Um, but I would say the first thing would be just love what you're doing. Um, and then just become world-class at it and whatever that means, whether it's, uh, becoming a world-class writer or world-class editor, whatever, like your like domain of expertise is be better than everyone around you in that. And then, and then we'll start talking and then, and then you'll be able to do what you want to do. But like, the first and foremost thing is, be world-class at your skill set, be a good person. And then that kind of like opens everything for you.
1: Amazing. Matt Como, thanks for coming in. Sweet. Appreciate it. It's great to meet you, bro.
0: It's nice to meet
1: you. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Matt Como. If you're interested in seeing some more of his work, then I definitely encourage you to check out his Instagram account and his YouTube account. Follow him on Instagram at Matt J. Como. That's spelled K O M O. And you can see him on YouTube. Just Matt Como. One video that I highly recommend you guys check out is a video titled Dear Mom and Dad. It's a video that we talked about in our conversation. He has some like old archival VHS footage in that one. I really love the video. Everything that he does is amazing. So definitely check out his YouTube channel, Matt Como. Again, just a reminder, if you are a fan of the show, please consider subscribing and share this episode with someone who you think would be inspired from it. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast. We'll see
0: you next week.